This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It falls to Ely on the volley! What a finish! Gotti Kinda has struck! It falls to Polito and he puts it in! To Johnny Russell, first time shot! And Johnny Russell has a hat trick! The Sporting KC Show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Superior light beer with only 95 calories and 2.6 carbs. Michelob Ultra. Find your fit. Now your host, Nate Buchanan. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer. Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts as well. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing, liking, telling your friends, telling your neighbors and uh, getting everybody to listen to the show that possibly can. My name is Nate Bucati. I am joined, as always, by the one and only Allie Trost. Allie, how are you? I'm doing well. Just getting ready for a big game tomorrow. I'll be heading to Dallas for that one, which you can, of course, listen to here on Sports Radio 810. And I'm excited. I, I think it's it's really good for the team after Sunday's game to kind of have that quick turnaround. They've been really good after bad results, uh, or losses, rather, and... Yeah, I think it's it's going to be an exciting matchup. So I'm I'm trying to remember. Did you go to Frisco last road game? I did not. So this is your first trip to beautiful Frisco, Texas. <laughs> and I hear oh, too. Boy. I uh, Jamila, the social media manager there, was telling me that it's supposed to be like muggy, maybe some rain. So it's just going to be. If you catch <laughs> my hair looking all wacky on the broadcast, don't say anything. <laughs> the uh, the if you if my hair looks bad on the broadcast, I've got no excuses. Um, but uh, that just is what it is. But um, yeah, Frisco, Texas. Well, I'll tell you what, the city has uh, that area has really sprouted up a lot. The, the the Dallas Cowboys training facility is out there now. Yep. There's a lot more stuff. When we first, I remember my first year going down there, it was uh, there wasn't much there, and there's a lot more there now. So, uh, but more importantly, there's soccer there, which we'll get to in a little bit. I'm going to lay out the menu for everybody. First off, coming up in the next segment, we're going to have a long-form conversation with one of the all-time fan favorites, Seth Sinovic. He just uh, was honored at halftime at the Sporting Kansas City-Seattle game. He's announced his retirement. He's moved back to Kansas City. I don't think that's a surprise anybody born and raised here. He's going to now raise his family here. And uh, you're going to want to listen to this interview. If If you're listening to this podcast, the odds are you're a big Sporting Kansas City fan which means you care about the history of the club, you care about the big moments of the club, and Seth Sinovic, along with Graham Zussi and Matt Beasler, more involved in all of the big moments that this club has had since the rebrand to Sporting Kansas City than just about anybody. And we're going to relive those moments, talk about his career and all of that. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy that conversation. So that's coming up next. We're also going to preview this big game against FC Dallas in a little bit. But first, let's rewind. Sporting Kansas City fall to Seattle 2-1. It's interesting. These two, team, two teams seem to be the, the class of the Western Conference in Major League Soccer. They've squared off twice, and the away side has won both times. Both times, some significant players have been missing from the games. This game, though, featured more of a representation of what the first-choice teams would be if they were out, if they had everybody healthy and available. Uh, it was, look, it, it was uh, it was an interesting game. First half, Sporting Kansas City not able to create much in the way of chances. Uh, they fall behind 1-0. Second half, they come out, guns a-blazing, looking like they're going to find the equalizer right away. They make another mistake in the back. Now they're down 2-0. They get one goal but couldn't find the second, and they fall 2-1. What did you take away from uh, from the game overall? Yeah, you know, overall, I, I think that the mindset was still very positive when just evaluating the Sporting KC team because, like you said, two 
uncharacteristic mistakes led to both goals for Seattle. And unfortunately, when you play a team like Seattle that has so much quality and can really make you pay, if you give them even just a little, like you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, they'll find the back of the net. And that was the case. That may not happen against lesser opponents, but it happened and Seattle capitalized. And for Seattle, that's you know just going to show that they're maybe rounding back into some of that form that had dropped off a little bit in, in kind of putting teams away like that, a, a quality opponent like Sporting. And they, of course, you know wanting to get some revenge for Sporting going to their home and walking away with the 3-1 victory. So all in all, I, I think you know Sporting Kansas City can take a look at that game, fix some of those mistakes, and then you know they get to see him again here uh, next month. So we'll see who who uh, is able to come out on top in their third meeting this season before the playoffs. And that one's going to be in Seattle again. So we'll see. It's uh, it's interesting that we're getting ready to talk about FC Dallas too, because so far the home sides uh, lost both of those games in that series, yeah. and now Sporting are going down for the third time to uh, FC Dallas, and we'll see if they can uh, they can keep that record going where the away team wins every game, and hopefully Sporting do the same thing against Seattle. It's interesting to me, um, those two mistakes that you mentioned, uncharacteristic, I think that's a good word to use for it. There are certain times when something happens and you say, okay, this is a recurring theme. This is a problem that the team's going to need to address. I didn't feel like the mistakes they made in those situations were in that category. I don't mm-hmm. feel like that's something where you say, Boy, you know, Graham Zussi's going to really make a lot of mistakes turning the ball over in the back. That's just, he's a veteran. You know, he knows better. Um, he'd like to have, the, especially that first one, I think, back. But I think the bigger troubling thing for me was in the first half, the inability for Sporting to really bother the back line of Seattle. And look, they're the best defensive team in mm-hmm. the league, hands down. But you're going to have to try to break that team down at some point, most likely in the playoffs, if you want to get to MLS Cup. And they just didn't seem to have many answers for that in the first half. Yeah, and, you know, I think the positive is seeing how they then came out in the second half. But it seems like at home, we've heard a couple of times now in postgame, like, yeah, in the first half, we just didn't we didn't come out, you know, guns a-blazing early enough. Or we didn't mm-hmm. kind of bring that pressure, create those chances. And so you hope, especially if this team does get home field advantage through the playoffs, that that's not a trend that keeps up while they're playing on their home field. But I I think when you look at the adjustments made and the way that they came out in the second, you know, that's just – But you get a full 90 minutes of a game. You can't give up 45 of those minutes not playing um, the way that it's going to take for you to come out and get a result against a team like Seattle and for sporting – you know, to be able to create create those chances and, and really put teams under pressure, try to break down back lines and, and one of the best defenses in the league, the best defense in the league, like you said, you got to bring more pressure than just 45 minutes of the game. And Sporting did that in the second half. They almost found that equalizer. But, you know, if they had only, it, you know, if only they had come out that way in the first half, could have been a different scoreline. And, and I think that it's also, uh, with, with the playoff format, it's more important to be rounding into form at the end of the season than it necessarily is to be grabbing points all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you want to be the top seed and have home field advantage, but we also know that that is far from a guarantee that you're going to make it all the way to MLS Cup. And Sporting's been so good on the road. It's right. like, I'm... I, and so have Seattle, teams, right? And so have <laughs> Seattle. So that's, yeah. you know, the kind of ironic thing with both of them fighting for that one seed. Is it going to stun anybody if Sporting go on the road and win a playoff game this year or if Seattle do the same thing? So, yeah, you want that one seed and that's important, but to me... A more important thing is 
Jose Mowry keeps getting more and more games under his belt. He's getting his legs under him, Mm -hmm. and he's starting to develop some chemistry. How much chemistry can he develop with the rest of the midfield and the back line that he's sitting in front of as the season goes on? Nicholas Isimat Marin is starting to get some playing time again. How much does he feature the rest of the year? I don't know that, but just having that extra option on the back line to to be able to play things the way you want to. And then the other question is, can you get Alan Polito back healthy to where he can contribute? Because there were some chances in that game that you feel like, man, if Alan Polito's out there, does that turn into a goal? Does that change the game a little mm-hmm. bit? Does it change the way that Seattle has to defend a little bit? They're going to point out they didn't have Nicholas Ladero or Jordan yep. Morris as well. My point is just, though, is from Sporting's perspective, these last eight games, yes, it's going to be about getting as many points as possible to put yourself in the best position possible, but it's also about getting the team clicking and and ramping back up to where you're playing your best soccer. Because I'll tell you what, the atmosphere at that game and the intensity Ooh. level of that game felt like a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And I think that all Sporting Kansas City fans and probably any other MLS fan that's lived those moments goes, oh man, I hope my nerves are ready for this. Because that's what is beautiful about the MLS playoffs. You're going to have good teams. You're going to have games that swing every 15 minutes. One team's on the front foot, then the next other team is. And it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. And just get ready, folks, because that's what's going to be. And you just hope your team is at its best when you get to those moments. Yeah, no, it... The atmosphere was like I because I, I walked in, I was a little bit late. I was coming from the women's game, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Like you could feel it when you walked in. The last home game I remember feeling that way was the win over LAFC, where Sporting came back and won two one. The Rainbow game, if, yep. if we want to yep. give it a name. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting, but I just I think for you know all the things that you just mentioned there, these last eight games really are about getting this team as. Not even just healthy, because Vermees says this a lot. It's healthy and fit. How fit can you get these guys who are working back, um, even if they can only feature for 45 minutes? You know, just having those options available um, to make those tweaks in a game as needed to maybe, you know, kind of move the needle a bit. Having those options and seeing the team get as healthy as they are now, seeing Issy back in the mix, Alan Polito back in training, questionable for this game Wednesday, but he's he's working his way back in. And it's, you know, sometimes people panic when they see like the questionable, oh, are we ever going to see him again? Questionable doesn't always mean that the, the player is, is injured necessarily. He might just not be fit enough for the for selection. Yeah, and it also might be, Let's make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, we want to get these points now, but we know we can win games with Kyrie Shelton, mm-hmm. and and we need last year didn't have him in the playoffs. Yep. This year, let's make sure we get to you know the the postseason with Alan Polito ready to help this yeah. team, and that's a balance that they've got to you know sort out as well. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Seth Sinovic is going to join us right after this. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Nate Bucati and Allie Trost with you. We are, as always, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. A man who might have had a good reason to, uh, to knock back a couple of Michelob Ultras over the weekend is our next guest. Uh, Sporting Kansas City legendary player, 
Seth Sinovic, who was honored at halftime of the Sporting KC game as it was announced, uh, his retirement was announced uh, the week leading up to the game uh, at Children's Mercy Park. And uh, he joins us on the phone now. Seth, man, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, just uh, still soaking in the Sunday night events. And uh, yeah, excited to be with you guys. All right, so take us through what, what Sunday was for you. We all got to see you and the family out on the field at halftime, but what did the club do for you? What was the day like? Yeah, it was great. We uh, you know, we were sitting up in the suite um, for the game. We got to have a bunch of family and friends up there with me, and um, you know, obviously, like you said, got to go down on the sta- onto the field with, the, uh, with my family and the ownership and um, got to be in front of the in front of the great fans again, and it was a uh, it was a surreal experience. It was uh, um, it was very humbling to uh, to have the response that I had, and for the ownership to, to to take care of me like they did on that day. I guess uh, not surprising considering what what the organization is, and um, you know how successful and how great of an organization, how great of people there are uh, within the organization. So it was a really cool moment for uh, for my family and for myself, and uh, one I definitely won't forget. So maybe not surprising the outpouring um, of support and love from the ownership group, but was there anything that they did that did surprise you? Like some a part of the, uh, I, I guess, the festivities, if you will, that maybe kind of caught you off guard and maybe were, were emotional for you? Yeah, I, I mean, a, a lot of it was, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I was it was unexpected by any means, because like I said, the, the ownership group from day one, uh, and I, I, said this in my letter as well they've treated me like family and you know it it feels like a a family organization so um you know i I guess i'm not surprised by anything they do but it doesn't take away from how great of an experience it was the the frame jersey was was awesome i I had not seen that prior to so that was that was really cool and uh the video that um that sporting was able to put together uh during the, the ceremony was really cool and great to to look back on that and i even had my daughter uh hattie looking up at the video and saying dad as as she saw me on the big screen so that was pretty cool wow that's pretty good stuff we're visiting with seth sinovic so i want to go back through some of the parts of your career and all those things here in a minute but but let's start at the end of it a little bit here the the decision to retire you and i've been talking on the phone since uh basically the beginning of the season um, you know, when it looked like this might be in the cards for you. And I know this is a tough moment in, in any player's career, uh, especially somebody who loved playing clearly as much as you did. Um, can you take maybe our audience through a little bit, just what, you know, what this past few months have been like and what led you to deciding at this point in time, like, hey, it's time to hang them up and, and move on to the next chapter of my life? Yeah, so, you know, last year I was obviously in New England, Um you know, I had a great experience up there. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun team to be around. The coaching staff was great. Um, got nothing but positive things to say about my second stint there in New England. Um, unfortunately, on the field, it didn't really go the way I would have liked it. Uh, broke my arm uh, twice and just really couldn't couldn't get in the groove and couldn't find my way onto the field. So that was a frustrating year from that standpoint. But um, you know, I, I physically and mentally felt felt good coming into this preseason and. Um, you know, had an opportunity to, to go up to Toronto and um, train with them for the preseason and um, hopefully earn a roster spot. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously COVID has been a, a difficult time for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I 
mine was soccer related, but there's a lot of people that have had um, you know, very, very difficult experiences with COVID. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely feel for them. Uh, it's been a horrible pandemic that, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have had to go through some difficult times. But, um, you know, my particular experience in Toronto, I, I got COVID during the tryout and just didn't really find my footing uh, during the tryout and realized that I didn't want to keep bouncing around and having um, my family kind of waiting in limbo, seeing what was going to happen next and figured it was the right time to call it quits. And, um, you know, it's, it's a difficult decision. You know, you, you've been doing something that you love for the last 11 years of your life. And then all of a sudden you just decide it's done. So, um, you know, looking back on that, it's, uh, it, it's hard. It, it's really hard to hang him up. Um, but at the same time, you know, you know, it was the right time and I knew it was the right time for me. So, um, once I, once I decided that was done, we, as a family decided that we wanted to come back to Kansas city because we, we love this place so much and it's given so much to us. And, um, that's when I, I started going through the networking process and looking into my next career. So what is that next career? Nate and I know, but uh, for everyone listening, what's next for Seth Sinovic? Yeah, so I'm uh, I am a commercial real estate broker uh, at Area Real Estate Advisors, um, working you know with a focus in the industrial world, and uh, I'm loving it so far. It's uh, everybody here is open, uh, welcome to me with open arms, and it's a uh, it's a great culture and a great great office setting here, and um, it's been it's been really fun to be a part of. It's it's obviously quite a bit different from the soccer world, but um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great things as well. Okay, so we're visiting with Seth Sinovic, and and we just heard the story of that that tough moment that every professional athlete comes to at some point in time, um, which is hey, it's time to move on to the next chapter in life. Now I want to go back to the start more. And look, I've had conversations with you about this personally, Seth, but but I think, and look, I don't know if this is fair or not, but. I've always looked at your career as somebody that I feel like I could identify with because, and look, obviously being a broadcaster is far different than being a, an athlete. I'm not trying to compare my career to yours in, in, in terms of my accomplishments or anything. But from the standpoint of, I always felt like in my profession, I never, uh, I was told right off the bat, you're not good enough to do this. Like my professor, my first year of college said, your voice is too high. You're never going to make it. You should look into something else. And so, and, and I felt like at least almost my entire career, I've had to prove that I belong wherever I am. There's almost like, I, there's, I've never just for one second thought, man, I'm good enough just to be here. Like, I always felt like I'm going to have to outwork everybody around me to even have a shot to stick around. And I don't know if that's fair. Would you even, is that a fair comparison? Did you view your career that way? That's kind of my perception a little bit. Yeah, I think that's accurate to say. Um I, I'm not lacking in confidence in myself, or I never lacked in confidence as a player. Um, that's something I think you have to have to, to find success at, at whatever level you want to be, and that's not just a soccer thing. I think that's a, an overall life thing. I think you need to have confidence in yourself. Um, but I'd be lying if I didn't hear or say that I uh, – if I said that I didn't hear the voices, you know, on the outside saying that, um, you know, I'm not that athletic or – I'm not that skilled or I, I, I hear things. I see things on Twitter. I, I see all that stuff is, uh, is noticed by me. Um, and that's, that's a motivating thing for me. Um, 
I had a great conversation with Peter after the game uh, um, on Sunday night, and I think one one thing that he said stuck with me. And um, at first, I took it almost as a little bit of an insult, but then he kind of went into a little bit more detail. But he said, um, "Congratulations on a great career, and um, just want to let you know, like you were a, uh, in a you were an overachiever in your career." And I was like, oh, wait, that's very (laughs) good. Like, I'm an overachiever. He's like, like, don't take that the wrong way. I mean that in the best way possible. He said, we should all strive to be overachievers in anything that we do. He said, I was an overachiever in my soccer career. I feel like I've been an overachiever in my coaching career thus far. So um, I mean that in the highest regard of a compliment, you are an overachiever. And, you know, I think he said, I think that's something that you're going to take into your next career and you'll – uh, you're most likely going to find success in your next career because you're an overachiever. So don't don't lose that. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool thing that he said once I got past the initial statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a backhanded like life is a series right? of backhanded compliments. And I, sure. and, and that's and and I I love the fact that you started off by talking about how much confidence you have because I've thought a lot about it. You know whatever whatever I've made out of my career. Um, mm-hmm. And the only reason I bring it up is to to draw these comparisons. Um, Somehow, despite a bunch of people telling me you're not good enough, I believed that I, I didn't believe them. You know, <laughs> like I'm right, even right. though like even though it did plant like a, a chip on my shoulder, it did plant a seed of I'm going to have to work really hard to get it done. I didn't allow any of those people to get me to quit. And I, I guess I don't. And, and I and I do think back. There were a few different people along the way that also told me, hey, man, don't give up. You can do this. And so I'm curious, did you have some specific people in your life at any point? Did you ever doubt it? yourself and, and and i mean because look i want to go back to the fact you were a walk-on in college right that's correct right mm-hmm. and then yeah, by the correct. by the end you were a team captain on like a national championship team no we did not win the national championship but we we had a pretty solid team uh for the four year or four and a half years because i redshirted a year but four and a half years i was there okay so and 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 so even going back to the college part um did you are there some specific people that maybe on the flip side were like hey man you're really good. You should you should be doing this. No, so I mean, I, I always loved soccer. I always felt like I had success at the youth level, but I've I've never been um, from from day one. I've really never been the guy on my team, um, and I say that in quotes. The guy. <laughs> uh, I've always been probably you know fourth or fifth guy. I mean, heck, I I had Matt Beasler on my team, who's World <laughs> Cup veteran. Like, I mean. We, so, you know, there's we had some pretty talented players on my club team growing up, so I was never the, the main guy. So it's kind of a role I've I've been used to my entire life. I, I wasn't the guy for sporting. Um, I wasn't the guy at Creighton. Uh, it just never really was my role, and I, I was okay with that. But at the same time, it kind of um, motivated me a little bit more to almost earn a little bit more respect in that regard. Um and that, you know, looking back, that's probably a great thing. That that was probably a, a huge mo- motivating factor for my my entire college and professional career. I love that. I was actually just listening to a podcast today, um, and the people who were, you know, doing the interview, they were all just, and the the guests were all just talking about like their motivations in life. And while having, you know, the support and good people around you, a good environment, it's like really important. It's also the people, those voices that you do hear, like the tweets you see, the people who do doubt you because they're not, I wouldn't say as important, as important, and you don't want to give them too much of a voice, but it is that extra kind of kick to, you know, help push you in, you know, to achieve great heights and in, in whatever it is that, that you're doing. Um, so let's, 
look back on some of those accolades for you that you did achieve, Seth, when we were watching that video on the field on Sunday at CMP, it was showing some of the highlights of your career. And for you, when you look back, what is the first thing that stands out as maybe the best moment, memory, most defining moment of your career, um, just as you look back on your MLS days? Oh, MLS Cup in 2013 was the my favorite moment um, as far as on the field goes. Uh, there's, I mean, there's nothing like that. And, you know, that wasn't the first trophy. The first trophy was the 2012 Open Cup, and that, that, was, that holds its own special place because that's, that's the first major trophy. But, um, the, yeah, the 2013 MLS Cup was just incredible. Um, it was a great group of guys, great locker room. Um, you know, we – you know, we probably didn't have the highest salaried roster or anything like that, but we had a we had a good solid team of a bunch of guys that worked worked that worked like crazy, and uh, yeah, uh, that that was definitely the the peak, the pinnacle uh, as far as individual moments. But as far as off the field goes, I mean, I, we got together with some of the guys uh, after the game on on Sunday night and just sitting around. And, having talks and just hanging out with the guys um, that I, a bunch of the guys that I'd played with over the years. Those are, those are my favorite moments. Just being able to hang out with guys, the build, building relationships, um, you know, and just being able to just talk like friends. Those are, those are some of the things I'll remember the most over my career. So Ali, you might, you might get a kick out of this. I, I've told Seth this story probably to the point where he, he rolls his eyes at it and gets annoyed. <laughs> but um, did you know that Seth's name is, is a verb in our house? <laughs> I actually did know this okay, because this. I know you've said that <laughs> he's someone that you use like as an example, especially like with Benny and and probably now Ophi as well. Honestly, it was a huge moment in in my in my relationship with my wife, even because <laughs> you know Kelly, my wife, did not grow up with the sport of soccer. Didn't really you know was never really a soccer fan, and then now she's married to a soccer commentator, and she's going to all the games and taking the kids to the games and all that. And you wonder, like, is she is she into this? Does she like watching these games, all that? Mm-hmm. And one day my son was struggling with a coach in a sport that he felt like wasn't giving him the respect he deserved and he wasn't getting, you know, he, he was he was getting passed by or something. You know, he he uh, he was having to re-earn his spot on a team for like the second or third time mm-hmm. in a row and he felt like it wasn't fair that he was having to keep doing that. And my wife says, well, I don't know what to tell you, son. You're just going to have to go ahead and Seth Sinovic this. <laughs> and, and he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, holy cow. She she knows the dynamics of all the players on this team. She says, well, every year they bring in a new guy that's supposed to you know, take Seth's job. And then he just goes and outworks the guy and plays better. And by the end of the year, the coach has no choice but to put him back in there and play him all year. And I thought, man, if there's like if there's a role model on this team for my kids to watch, it's him. Because that's like that's the thing about life, and what what Peter Vermees said to you, Seth, about how you're going to be successful in real estate because of the same things that you did as a professional. I, I mean, it's like I don't expect my kids to make any money playing sports, but if they have that same attitude that you did, um, they're going to be successful. And so I, I just wonder, like, did you how where did that come from for you? Like you know, there's a lot of guys that if that happens enough, they start to pout and become a malcontent, and maybe start you know griping to their teammates about how the coach isn't treating them fair and all that stuff. How did you? Where did you find that 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 stick-to-itiveness to just keep on going? Yeah, well, first of all, there's definitely some pouting and griping going on there, and uh, you know, like like you're talking about with your son uh, and your family. 
your wife and yourself, you know, he's got somebody that he's pouting and griping to. So there, there's always people to be able to pout and gripe to, and I think it's okay to, to do that and vent a little bit as long as you're not doing it to the detriment of your team. So, yeah, you know, I've, I've had, I've had my moments, you know, I've, I have a great, great sports system with my family and my parents and my brother and my sister. And, uh, my wife has been a rock for me throughout the years. Um, and then, you know, I had Matt Beasler as a roommate and, you know, really good friend since we were seven or eight years old. So I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with Matt. And Matt, it was a, Matt was a great sounding board in preseason on the road just because we're, we're around each other all the time. So I've had, I've had my opportunities to vent and, uh, Matt's been great for me. Like I said, my wife has probably heard me vent a little bit too much in those regards, but, um, but no, it's, I mean, uh, for whatever reason, I've grown up with a mentality of always wanting to prove people wrong, and it kind of lights a lights a spark under me. Uh, if somebody tells me that I can't do something, or somebody bet, tells me that they're better than something, um, I've always wanted to to prove people wrong. So, um, you know, I, you know, sporting or Peter bringing in uh, guys to challenging me for my position was just giving me the opportunity to prove prove people wrong over and over again that was uh, that was a lot of fun and very satisfying over the years what was maybe the was there a time a specific season or a preseason where you kind of because like you just poured out a whole lot of knowledge there I mean that's very good insight and like a great perspective to have but it's not one that you're just going to have without those experiences so what was maybe the the most challenging one of the of those experiences and the one that maybe gave you a, a great deal of that that insight yeah, I think the I and I if my timeline probably lines up here. There was one year I think I had just won or gotten uh, 2014 Defender of the Year for Sporting, and then in 15 I believe they brought somebody in uh, that was uh, had a higher profile than me, and um, that one really frustrated me. Um, but I ended up beating him out for the spot longer term. Um, so. You know, it's it's a year by year thing to be honest with you and it i think there's there was one year i think i had one year in my entire career where going into preseason i was told that it was my spot um and that was after we had won in 2013 so i got used to it pretty quickly and uh you know every year i would definitely have my frustrations but i mean you can either you can either pout and cry about it and quit or you can just go out there and try and beat out a guy and that's I, I chose obviously the latter in that in that situation, and unfortunately, I couldn't continue to do that as I got a little bit older there, and which is the reason why I'm retiring. But um, no, it was, uh, yeah, those, those challenges are kind of what what builds your character and what makes you makes you who you are. So um, I think I think in the end, that just made me stronger uh, over the years. So I actually specifically remember that year, Seth, because that was my first year doing the Sporting Kansas City games, um, uh, you know, full-time. And we were in Tucson, Arizona in preseason. And um, we went to a University of Arizona basketball game. It was me, you, Uh Graham, Matt Beasler, and Dom. And we went to a pizza joint beforehand. And I remember we were all ordering, like, the most unhealthy meat lovers type (laughs) pizza in the world. And you were like – Dude, I can't eat that. Like, I'm fighting my ass off to keep my job right now, and I can't eat it. And, like, you just stared at all of us eating this horrible pizza while you were like, no, man, I've, I've got no room for error whatsoever. To, to, do you remember that at all? 
I do. I, I can't remember the pizza place, um, but yeah, I do remember that. Um, yeah, no, but but to be honest, like in the in the moment, sure, I'm. Fr- I think we all get frustrated when you've got somebody that's brought in to potentially take your spot. But and Peter knows this. This is that's the type of stuff that makes the team better. That's the type of stuff that challenges players, and like I said, makes you stronger as a player. And that's that's what makes in the end the team stronger. You, you want to have competition at those spots as, as frustrating as, as as it can be as an individual player. You know that's for the betterment of the team, and um, that that definitely made me a better player. So, I, looking back and being able to reflect on it, I'm thankful for those experiences because it made me stronger as a player and as, as a person going forward. So, Ali, I remember when that was happening too. I'm like stuffing my face with this horrible pizza, and I had just watched sure all you these. Felt great the next. Day. All these guys had just gone and like burned two thousand calories in training. You know, like they were all just like bust, and I'm like. If these guys can't get away with eating this food, I certainly I, did not work out to justify this this calorie consumption right here. I felt really, I felt body shamed by you at the time. So, and I'll be honest with you, I felt the same way when I saw you the other night. You look like you're in playing shape right now, and I understand that you're training for a new competition as well. I am. I'm uh, uh, hopefully going to be uh, doing a half triathlon here in about a month. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to finish that. I'm a little or ha- half Ironman. Excuse me. Half Ironman in about a month, so a little nervous about that. Not the strongest swimmer in the world, but I've uh, been, been training pretty hard for it. Okay, so this is – I'm always curious to know this. When, you know, the, the playing days end and you're still, like, very – it's very soon after your career. You're obviously keeping up physically, but is there anything that's part of your routine – um, that you've maybe like that you didn't do as a player. And now you're like, ah, yes, I can do this again, whether it's something that you're eating or some, just something in general, that's like changed about your day to day. Now that you're no longer like your career is not your physical performance on a soccer field. Yeah. So now that I'm not playing and I don't have to worry about what people are thinking, I am the probably one of the worst eaters in the history of MLS. <laughs> I, I have the worst sweet tooth. If you would have seen, uh, my room with with Matt and I in preseason, the amount of candy that I consumed in preseason certain years is extremely unhealthy. Um, so I, I think I've got a little bit more, or at least early on, I was a little bit more uh, free with how I was eating. I'm trying to watch it a little bit more since I'm doing this competition. But um, no, there, I, I loved playing soccer. Um, I loved everything about it. Um, but I'm also excited for after soccer because not only from an eating standpoint, um, which I will have to watch that to some degree, but, uh, but just from a schedule standpoint, you know, I've, I've attended more weddings probably in the last year than I had uh, in my entire career prior to. So uh, that's been a really exciting thing and, you know, been able to go on vacation with the family and just things like that. So there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to post soccer career. If you um, if you follow a lot of MLS players on like Instagram and things like that, you'll notice that every December and January, all the anniversary picks come up because that's yeah. when everybody got married. Well, and I <laughs> got this job doing sidelines like literally just a couple months after we planned our wedding for like middle like mid June, like right in smack dab. So Nate, I don't know if you can even come to my wedding yeah. next year. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, but no, that that schedule change has got to be great. The other thing I wanted to ask you about fatherhood. How's that been? I, we all got to see. Uh, did you say Hattie is her name? Yes, Hattie. Yep, yep. Uh, fatherhood is great. She's uh, she's a ball of energy, and uh, she's got her opinions, and she's just <laughs> she's a lot of fun. She's uh, 
um, it's it's more more exciting as the days and weeks go by because she's just getting more active and learning more things and talking more and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's fatherhood's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Eating candy as well. Is she no she... <laughs> no we're just keeping her away from candy. She she's to the point where we we haven't given her very much candy, so she doesn't really know what to do with uh, certain candies. Like I don't even know what she'd do if I gave her a sour patch kid, which is my oh. favorite. So. You're gonna be in serious trouble when she discovers Halloween, buddy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Because... I, I'm I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. My my wife is a uh, more of a chocolate fan, so I, I wonder if she's gonna get that from my wife. So we'll see. We're, uh, we've been visiting with Sestanovic, and I, I, we could do this for a whole hour because there's so much more I want to ask you about, so we'll have to do it again sometime soon. Mm-hmm. But I do want to bring it back to, you know, Ali asked you about your favorite memory, and you, you listed off the MLS Cup in 2013. I would be remiss if I didn't point out to me one of the greatest goals, most important goals in franchise history was the one you scored against New England because the team was down. They were in trouble in that game, and they never make it to MLS Cup final if you don't score that goal that sends the thing into extra time. But, but I want to ask you more a legacy-type thing. And I know, before I even ask it, that you're not a big me guy. We've probably already, you've probably been forced to talk more about yourself over this last half hour than you normally would anyway. But, but you, you're born and raised in this town. You know what soccer was when you were a kid here, and you now live here again, and you know what soccer is now. What, is it, what does it mean to you, and do you realize how big of a part of it you are? in terms of where this sport resonates with the fans in this town now, two professional soccer teams that draw incredibly well, soccer fields all over this city that are filled with little kids playing the sport, dreaming of being Seth Sinovic or Matt Beasler someday. Do, do you feel like you fully appreciate what you've meant to the sport you love in your hometown? And if so, can you put into perspective um, what that means to you? Yeah, uh, from an individual standpoint, I I don't know how how I can really speak on that. I, I think I'll have to, you know, as time goes by, maybe I'll I'll be able to reflect a little bit more on that. Um, but right now, I'm just kind of in the moment and can't really see that. Um, I can speak on it from an organizational standpoint and. Uh, I I remember going to the I think I went to the the very first Kansas City Wiz game I think that's what they were at the time. Yep, uh, yep. But I, I remember those games at Arrowhead. We used to play you know soccer tennis in the parking lot using the uh, the parking lines and uh, the stadium out at Arrowhead was a third of the way full or like not even a third of the way full maybe like a fourth of the way full and um, you know, I'm very thankful for that because and thankful for the, the, the Hunt family for bringing soccer and playing soccer to Kansas City and playing such a huge part in MLS. But to see where where the Wizards and the Wiz were and where sporting is now is just I, – I could never have dreamed that that would have happened in the way that it did. And, um, you know, the the players on the field played played a big role because, you know, obviously we, we found success early on with sporting, but – um, you know, without the infrastructure behind it, without the fan base, uh, without everybody involved in the city, that that doesn't that doesn't happen. So I think it was kind of a perfect storm of the players and the coaches uh, finding su- success on the field and the organization uh, backing us so well and the ownership backing backing the team so well. Um, I think it all just kind of created this perfect storm um, in the best way possible, and it's it is really really cool to see 
where soccer is and uh, not just in Kansas City where it's been flourishing, but nationally as well. Um, I, I feel like I drive to a new part of the city, uh, you know, every week, and I feel like there's a brand new soccer complex popping up. There's a new one being built in, in Lee Summer right now. There's the Garmin so- soccer complex um, south and west of the city, I believe, and the ones up in Wyandotte. It's just, it's just crazy to see where the soccer world is now compared to where it was when we were growing up. Um, and it's been awesome to be a part of it really has. I, I'm so thankful to be a part of the, the Kansas City community and the, the sporting, sporting organization and, uh, to, to be a part of the sporting family. It's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And I I know I'm rambling like crazy, but I, I, like you said, I could go on forever talking about this stuff and how much, uh, soccer and Kansas City and sporting has meant to me and how much it's been such a huge factor in my life. Yeah, I mean, it, it is just amazing seeing how the sport has grown and is continuing to grow. It just almost feels like we're on the cusp of something really special and great. But, Seth, I want to bring it to present sporting time right now. This team is making a a big push for first in the West, and as they get closer to the playoffs, I, I, I don't know how tapped into the team you've been um, this season, but I know you're still very close with you know a lot of the guys in that locker room. What similarities does this team have? You've been on championship-winning teams. Just what are some of the qualities of, of this group that you think will help them do well come playoff time? Yeah, I've, I've tried to watch sporting as much as I can this year. Um, I, they obviously have a really strong team. They're, they've been at the top of the table for most of the year, um, kind of battling in that first and second spot. Uh, they're they're fun to watch, and it, when everybody's healthy, they're I think they're one of, if not the best team in the league. Um, they're they're very organized. They're very good in possession. Um, obviously, Daniel's having an unbelievable season this year, and you can you can see how much of a difference he makes when he's on. Um, but there's just so many, so many options, so many threats up top and, um, some good veteran leadership in the back and in the midfield, uh, a lot of talented players as well. So all over the place, there's talent and, uh, Peter's obviously got them very organized as a team and, and playing well. So, um, I know it was a tough one against Seattle on, on Sunday and a lot of, um, I think we'd all agree self-inflicted mistakes. Um, but I, I have no doubt that sporting is going to bounce back quickly because they've got a uh, strong mentality, good character, and a lot of good guys and a lot of talent on that team. All right, in keeping with the theme of, uh, of persistence in, in spite of uh, maybe people telling you, you you're not going to be able to pull it off, I've tried a few different times to get Seth to join Hot Guys United, uh, my, my over 30 league team, and so far every every uh, every advancement has been rebuffed by uh, or whatever the word is. You know, he, he's turned me aside. Um, I just want you to know, Seth. You said you've never been the guy on a team. You know, <laughs> if if you're looking to be the guy, I think Hot Guys United's got a spot uh, reserved for you on the Friday night over 30 league team. When you get done with the <laughs> half Iron Man, I'm just letting you know it's out there for you. Hey, all right, buddy? no no halftime orange slices, but yeah. halftime Sour Patch Kids. I hear yeah, is the half thing. T- we'll bring the Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> And you're the guy, number nine, number ten, whatever you want to be, it's it's yours. Actually, you'll probably end up having to play both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. We'll uh, we'll 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 let my I need to let myself rest a little bit. I uh, <laughs> I've got I've got I think I'm going to take a good year off. I I don't I I'd like to go a couple weeks without spraining my ankles or rolling my ankles or having something hurt in my hip or my back or something like that. That would be that would be nice just to kind of <laughs> take a break from that. I feel that way in my 40s, even when I don't do anything. So, uh, you know, good luck with that. Uh, I, I tried. I Say tried that when get... you get out of bed in the morning. Like, 
<laughs> you should be really yeah, nice you to feel that You feel that in your 40s. I'm in my mid-30s, and I'm feeling that hit, so. Yeah. No you... comment from the mid-20s <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, look, every one of those uh, bumps and bruises that you've got, you earned along the way, and it's just been really uh, a joy and a pleasure to watch your career. It's been inspiring. It's been fun. Um, and, and we appreciate you just, like, letting us – Witness it all and and then and relive it right now. Congratulations on everything, Seth. And I know we'll, you won't be a stranger to us, so we'll see you again real soon. That sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that is Seth Sinovic, one of the all-time greats for sporting Kansas City, announced his retirement last week. We'll be back to wrap things up and preview tomorrow night's game against FC Dallas right after this on the Sporting KC Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, Nate Bucati along with Ali Trost. Our thanks to Seth Sinovic for joining us. Now let's look ahead to this Wednesday night game, Sporting KC midweek at FC Dallas. FC Dallas in 11th place. By the way, all three Texas teams occupy the bottom three spots in the Western Conference standings. They fired their coach, Luchi Gonzalez. They've got a man who's like their constant interim coach. Uh, Which I didn't realize until we were on the press conference today with Vermees that this is the third time that he's had to fill in as the interim head coach. Yeah. Uh, Pretty wild. (laughs) He's he's done it once before in a regular season where he had to coach some games, and he's also done it once where it was like they fired their coach at the end of the season and he had to take over postseason training. So, yeah, this is is, uh, Marco Ferruzzi's third stint as the interim coach for FC Dallas. But they've got talent. They've mm-hmm. got young guys that can play. Ricardo Pepe apparently is getting scouted by Ajax. Yeah. Uh, among other European giants right now. He's, he's burst onto the international scene and all of that. Sporting know they've got the work cut out for them in this game, even if this is a team that's uh, on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now. Yeah, exactly. But they're also getting a Dallas team that is winless in the month of September. I believe their last five games, they've really struggled as of late. Sporting, on the other hand, have been fantastic coming off of a loss. They haven't lost back-to-back games at any point this season. And I think, you know, in just talking with I'm knocking on wood for Allie there as she says that. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, wait, where are you going? Um, no, but the mindset of this sporting team, it's less about the opponent and it's more about they – they're frustrated with the result that they had on Sunday, thought they could have been better in the first half and, and are disappointed with, you know, the mistakes made that led to the goals. And they want to bounce back from that. And they, they so far this season have proven that. But it, it Dallas is always a weird matchup. It, it's just it you never yep. really know what you're going to get when Sporting KC and FC Dallas play each other, which is why I don't want to like even say trap game because it, it's just kind of always been this way when these teams play each other. And this season has been a, another prime example of that. Uh, but Sporting, I, they've got their work cut out for them. They know it. And I think they're going to be coming out looking to avenge the loss to Seattle. Uh, wh- one thing you know you're usually going to get in this game is some blank housery. Uh, <laughs> that, that's uh, that, there's a term that people like to use a lot. There's there might be some faking of some injuries. There might be some uh, delayed throw-ins. There might be all kinds of those other, you know, little tricks of the trade that that uh, Peter Vermees calls it uh, la intense uh, intelligencia de la calle, the, yes. the street smarts of the FC Dallas team. So you might see some of that, and we'll see who can get under whose skin in this game as well. I want to give you all the details for this game: seven o'clock Wednesday night, Bally Sports Kansas City Plus and. 
Sports Radio 810 WHB. There's your TV. There's your radio coverage. Our pregame will start at 630, and you'll be on the sidelines down there. I will. And uh, sweating it out with the uh, Who knows what I'm going to get. Because, like, it's already bad enough that it, like, is, is kind of toasty down there, and then you throw some rain in the mix. It's basically going to – it'll be interesting conditions. So um, I'll try to, you know, do my best to set the scene and give any insight that I can from the sideline just in regards to what that atmosphere is like, what the, the temperature is like, how the – players are are feeling how the team's looking you know coming out into warm-ups and everything like that so um i'm excited but hey it's last game or second to last game before a nice little internet a, a little you know fifa break so I, I think you know if anything the team's got you know two games to really focus on two texas teams two of those bottom in the west i, I know we it's not the main focus to pick up those points but against two teams hey. at the bottom of the table, it's a good opportunity. With eight games left, every point matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all the teams involved, it's a close three-team race at the top of the West. So uh, every point matters. We'll see if they can get three on the road tomorrow night. Allie, thanks so much for the time and safe travels to Frisco. And thank you to listening. Thank you to Sessanovic for joining us as well. And we will see you next time on the Sporting KC Show presented by Michelob Ultra.